with no further ado, let me present uh, the speaker this evening. Uh, Noah Landa edits uh, the paper that may, probably most of you who are interested in Israel are reading, the English version of uh, Haaret. She is also the incoming diplomatic correspondent of the paper, and she formerly headed the news department of the Hebrew version of the paper. Prior to Haaret, Noah worked with various news outlets in Israel. We want this the whole list of them. Was it last year that you were here or two years ago? Two years ago she was a fellow with the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism here at uh, Oxford. The title of her talk today is What Challenges Does Israel Face in the World Today? Noah, thank you. Thank you. There are so many challenges. I hope you have a few hours, but (laughs) we'll only focus on some of them. So I was here in Oxford uh, the day the Brexit referendum results were announced. And I saw and heard uh, the shock, the pain, the confusion of the liberal-leaning community and the efforts made by moderate conservatives to express their satisfaction while denouncing extreme voices, racism, which emerged during the campaign. I was also in our news desk in Tel Aviv just before the sun rose when Trump gave his victory speech on election night. I looked around me and saw journalists from different backgrounds and ages hiding their tears in front of the TV screens, especially women. I was in New York a short while after when women took the streets against a president so offensive against almost every single value cherished by today's progressives. The world is changing again. The striving towards globalism, universalism, and other liberal democratic values which characterized the era of post-World War II gave way to the antithesis, back to a new wave of nationalism worldwide. And it's not just America and the UK, of course. It seems like conservative forces and the right wing are on the rise almost everywhere. Because liberalizing and globalizing, the slogans of our generation, failed so many of those who felt left out and unheard along the journey. As the Israeli historian Yuval Noah Harari said, the real divide today is between global and local. Immigration, global terrorism, xenophobia, technology risks are all global issues and fears, but the backlash is very local. For many Israelis on the progressive side of the political spectrum, this trend has long been recognized. This is what Aluf Ben, the editor-in-chief of Haaretz, wrote in July 2016 for the Foreign Affairs. The title was, The End of Old Israel. Israel, at least the largely secular and progressive version of Israel that once captured the world's imagination, is over. Although that Israel was always in some ways a fantasy, the myth was at least grounded in reality. Today, that reality has changed, and the country that has replaced it is profoundly different from the one its founders imagined almost 70 years ago. Since the last elections, in March 2015, a number of slow-moving trends have accelerated dramatically. Should they continue, they could soon render the country unrecognizable. Already, the transformation has been dramatic. Israel's current leaders, headed by Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, see democracy as synonymous with unchecked majority rule and have no patience for restraints, such as judicial review or the protection of minorities. In their view, Israel is a Jewish state and a democratic state in that order. Only Jews should enjoy full rights, while others should be treated with suspicion. Extreme as it sounds, a recent disbelief is now widely held. A recent Pew Public Opinion survey published in March found that 79% 
of Jewish Israelis support preferential treatment for Jews, 79%. A thinly veiled euphemism for discrimination against non-Jews. Meanwhile, the two-state solution to the conflict with the Palestinians, or as Trump recently said, one state, two states, three state solution, who cares, has been taken off the table. And Israel is steadily making its occupation of East Jerusalem and the West Bank permanent. Human rights groups and dissidents who dare criticize the occupation and expose its abuses are denounced by officials. And the government has sought to pass new laws restricting their activities. Arab-Jewish relations within the country have hit a low point, and Israel's society is breaking down into tribes. Netanyahu thrives on such tribalism, which serves his lifelong goal of replacing Israel's traditional elite with one more in tune with his philosophy. So in this article, Ben describes Israel's most significant underlying process from the day of its establishment until the current climax, uh, the country's biggest challenges, I see it as well, the war against liberal values. Here is what Dr. Ran Baratz, the person whom Netanyahu was trying to appoint as head of the National Information Department, wrote in an essay named Democracy and its Rupture. Democracy and its Rupture. You can already get a sense. Israel is a global pioneer in overturning systems of government and forcibly imposing radicalized versions of human rights that are sometimes diametrically opposed to the opinions and values of the public, right? The human rights values are opposed to the values of the public. In other words, majority rule before minority rights. Human rights as a negative, corrupting force. He's not alone. The debate around Israel's self-definition as Jewish and also democratic used to focus on how to balance these two difficult terms. Now, it seems like the discussion is mostly on how to make sure that the Jewish nationalistic part comes before the rest. We see this process when it comes to the designation and the peace process in the manifestations of racism towards minority, the attempts to limit speech, the battle over the Supreme Court, and of course, the nation-state bill. As Israel's current justice minister, Ayala Chaked, recently said, Zionism should not continue to bow down to the system of individual rights interpreted in a universal way. Again, you can feel, the, um, you can feel that she, she doesn't necessarily approve of these liberal values. We also see the growing efforts to deport asylum seekers to what the government now calls third countries in Africa without even examining their applications. You see the war on left-wing NGOs and the media, the later one now receiving major tailwind from Trump, and recently also a wave of legislation designed to keep Netanyahu in power in case of the investigation against him and in court. A few hours ago, before I came here, one of these laws actually passed. Many in Israel feel it is also becoming more religious. Separation of synagogue and state seems harder than ever. The Jewish state translates Jewish as Orthodox Judaism, the more conservative stream of Judaism, as opposed to more progressive streams in the diaspora, especially in North America, which led this year to a massive crisis over mixed-gender prayers at the Western Wall, the most sacred place for Jews. So the liberal values crisis is also creating a growing rift between Israel and the Jewish diaspora. Meanwhile, Netanyahu declares he wants to strengthen Israel's ties with countries like China, Russia, India, and some countries in Africa. This whole process should come as no surprise to anyone remotely familiar with Israel's military control over millions of Palestinians, a situation which has become normalized over the past 50 years. The reality of these areas is anti-liberal by nature, 
as often wars are, and for many years now has been rubbing off to Israel proper. So, as you can see, most of the main issues in today's Israel public agenda are connected to the tension over what we consider as core liberal values. And it sure looks like these values are losing at the moment. Israel's political landscape is sharply shifting to the right. Those once conservatives are now the extreme right. The traditional left is moving to what they now call the center. Those who still dare to actually call themselves leftists, which is now considered a common curse in Israel, are shrinking in power. In the minority, the Arab parties, are declared political outcasts. And like many other issues, it's a chicken and the egg kind of situation, because the more the left tries to win votes by appealing to a wider crowd, the more the conversation itself, the language that they use, shifts to the right as well. Farid Zakaria, who predicted the rise of illiberal democracies, warned that illiberal democracies gain legitimacy and those strength from the fact that they are reasonably democratic. And that the greatest danger that the liberal democracy poses is that it will discredit liberal democracy itself, casting a shadow on democratic governance. In the present situation, the cliché about the only democracy in the Middle East is just not enough. Thank you.